Welcome back to the Masters of Recon podcast, your top automotive refinishing podcast with your hosts, Corey Kleinfeld and Ryan Brewer. Enjoy the show, everyone. Welcome back to the Masters of Recon podcast. Super excited today, guys. We have a very special guest for you. If you are in the PDR industry, you know who this is. If you're not, you will soon. Uh, this guy started out in paintless debt repair in 2005, um, did that for a long period of time, started a shop in 2017, starting added, starting to add multiple services to his business in 2019, and now within the last six months, completely rebranded his name to an auto spa. Um, we're going to talk about his story, how he got there, and any advice he has for you guys. Welcome to the show, Matt Moore. What is going on, guys? Thanks all both for having me. Oh, man, we're excited that you can be on here. So if anybody's, again, like I mentioned, in the PDR space, most of us, I don't want to say all, but probably all, look to Matt more at all these, all this type of stuff, adding services to your business, how to systematize your your processes, all, all those things. So we're going to talk about all that stuff today. Um, real quick, Matt, just tell us a little bit more background of, of how you kind of got started in you know, this reconditioning world we live in. And, uh, and just to clarify, most of the guys who do call me, what I end up telling them is just explaining all the mistakes I made like three years ago. And like, exactly. trying to, like don't do that. <laughs> I'm trying this now. I'll let you know in a couple of years how this is working. So, um, yeah, so I got started a uh, really brief synopsis. I worked in the auto industry. I managed the reconditioning at a dealership. I was did some sales, did some internet marketing, but I managed their entire recon uh, center um, and got to know the PDR guy and the painter and the wheel guy and all the other vendors. Um, the PDR guy hit it off. Um, he happened to be getting married, moving away, had a business that was going to be left behind. And um, I approached him about basically training me and then letting me buy his business from him. So that's how I got into the PDR world. Um, I was young and dumb and naive and didn't know that failure was even an option. And that probably is the reason that I'm still here, honestly, because had I known how hard PDR is to get into, I might not have gone down that road, but I, but I did and uh, was lucky enough to keep most of the accounts that he had, he had earned over the years. Um, and then, you know, like you said, went from, so I did wholesale, you know, dealership work for a long, long time. Yep. And um, if you've been in the PDR side or if you're in the, the recon industry and you, you do wholesale work, if you haven't experienced this, one day you probably will. Uh, you're going to walk into one of your accounts and they're going to have changed, go with a different vendor, going in-house, something, and you're not going to get a notice or warning, and you're going to be scared to death. And that's how I found myself. I lost 30% of my business in one day. I walked in the door because they found a what they deemed was a cheaper option, um, and I was terrified. And uh, so I started at that point, I started doing more retail work. So I had done all this wholesale work. I started doing more mm -hmm. retail, um, learning from other PDR guys that that was a possibility, started, you know, really branded a business and a website, learned how to how to market myself. Um, and then and then that led to really loving the retail side and really loving building the brand and building the business. Um, and so I got more and more into that. Uh, and then again, felt like I'd kind of hit a ceiling of what I could do working out of the back of my truck, working for myself. Uh, and, and from a personal level, just wasn't challenged as much as I wanted to be. And so I opened a shop and hired my first employees day one. And um, here we are now. I've got a couple of shops now uh, full time. And uh, I was just telling you guys off the air, you know, at our shops, we do we do a multitude of services full time. But then 
with a PDR background, I understand hail. So when it hails an hour away, because I have a team that can run my shop, I can go over and potentially work with or dabble in or set up even a, a, a temporary to potentially permanent shop in a new market because I have teams that run my current retail shops, which is, which is really um, the, the longer we're in it, the more the trust there is between myself and my team to just kind of let them run their thing and let me do what I do as an owner. So that's where I'm at right now. Um, I think that, I think that like that last part, that's what so many people want, right? Yes. They, especially, I mean, PDR guys, detail guys, anyone that's been doing it, you're what? Oh, five coming up on 20 years. Yeah. Anybody that's in 15, 20 years is like, okay, how do I do this to where I don't have to just do my service all day, every single day and run a business, all that stuff. So hopefully towards the end of the podcast, we can get some insight on how, how we get to that point. I'm, I'm actively trying to do that now, Ryan, I think you're still, you still push a lot of dents. Yeah. So Matt has been able to do something I haven't been able to do, which is add a good amount of services to his business. And so that's why I look up to him. Um, you know, I, I follow him on social media, talk all the time as much as we can whenever we go to mobile tech. Um, so I think we're going to get some good information from Matt today. So what do we got? So, so I'll ask, uh, was multiple services always the plan? And then just to jump off what Ryan did, when, at what point was it a dollar amount or amount like gross revenue or something? Were you able to... And I know you still push sometimes. You're like the backup. You're like the reserve. Like call in, call in Matt. You know, if someone's if someone's on vacation or sick or whatever. But um, was services all the multiple services always the plan? And then at what point do you are you able to kind of step away and but but then have to run the business? So the plan originally, uh, I thought that the way to be successful with a PDR shop was to open a shop, to start training employees, to have a manager, and to start doing bigger and bigger smashes and essentially become a body shop eventually. Like that was the direction I thought I was going to go with the business. Um, like an actual body shop? Like an actual body to? shop. Oh, no, okay. I thought eventually we would get so big that we we would just become a body shop, honestly. Again, the theme being it's really difficult to just have a PDR shop <laughs> and be successful. It's, it's really difficult to just have any one service any in scale. One thing. If you're the guy doing the thing, yeah, then your cost of labor is pretty low because you're the guy, right? But as soon as you hire a guy and as soon as you hire a manager and as soon as these guys are on career, I mean, all of them want to be worth more five years from now than they are today. Mm -hmm. Your business better be generating more revenue five years from now than it is today. Like that mm -hmm. better be the case or you're going to constantly turn over. And and I, I felt like a lot of the guys, a lot of the reason in the PDR world that that it was really hard to scale was no one had figured not, not that like I'm doing something that no one else has done. There's guys who've done yeah. it, but everyone had a hard time figuring out how to make a three-year employee into a five-year and a five-year into an eight-year and an eight-year into a lifetime, right? Like that, that you know, because at some point they become, a, as an employee, they become more valuable um, than you probably can justify if you're just a dude fixing door dings, right? Yeah, and, and let's, let's, I'll pause you right there and hopefully you don't lose a train of thought. I'll get you back on, but same goes for all services, window tint, detail, all that stuff, right? We pay our guys- yeah whether it's they start out hourly and then we pay them a percentage of what they do. Right. Yes. And then your business doesn't change, but they want again to be more valuable and you're already paying them in the dead guy space, sometimes 50%, 55%. I've heard 60 before, which I don't know how there's any margin, but you get to that point and you're like, I don't make any money off my employee anymore. So 
why why have an employee type of thing so like you said you got to grow the revenue of the company so that those people can grow too well and then especially if you start bringing on management teams because those yeah. aren't going to be income producing like you know mm-hmm. if you get a guy who's a you know doing a window tent and you have on a flat commission or whatever the percentage is yeah like you kind of like the more he does the more you make everybody wins but as soon mm-hmm. as you start hiring a manager to run it or a scheduler or an S- estimate or whatever it is um and then in, and then as you get bigger i mean you're gonna hit you know going from one to two to three seems scary but really going from like four to eight to twelve employees is where you start getting into some big boy insurance getting into some workman's comp getting into some things that do not make you a dime that come straight out of your your bottom line at the end of the day um and so you've got to be generating enough income to really kind of hold that ship afloat at some level right mm-hmm. um and so for me Acquiring a customer in any of these is really, really hard. I always joke that if if we owned a hamburger restaurant and I had a big billboard with a picture of a hamburger with an arrow, every drug car that drives by knows exactly what we do, right? But if I have a really nice looking Tesla on a billboard with an arrow pointing down, nobody knows what the hell we do, right? Like we don't, they don't know, you know, even if it's outside of window tent, think of if you're in the PPF if you do window, you know, PPF or if you do, you know, ceramic coating, nobody understands it. Most customers don't understand without an explanation. And even window tint, nobody understands what the difference in carbon versus ceramic versus dyed tint is. So all of that education, all of that explanation is is expensive. That's an expensive marketing. These are not, you know, again, it's not a hamburger or a billboard. This is a, it's not a commodity. Yeah. Longer conversation about, yeah, we fix dents, but we don't do this. Yeah, we do ceramic coating and we do paint correction. And that this is what that is, you know. And so what we found was that educating customers was going to be extremely expensive and then labor was going to be extremely expensive. So if we're going to do spend all that energy to get all this, you know, the management and the ancillary, the, the, the labor that already has to be here for me to do what I want to do for one role. Uh, and then we're already spending all these resources to educate our clients. We felt like trying to offer more services to to once we've once we found a customer that is our ideal customer that cares about being educated that cares about protecting their vehicle that cares about keeping it you know correcting things that go wrong and then protecting it to keep it from happening again um, we want to be able to offer them multiple services and so that's mm-hmm. why we started expanding and and then you also get the benefit you know with a when you're in a repair only side if you only do dent repair right or if you only do you know maybe paint correction or really, you know, painting or bumper blends or something like that, you're only going to be capturing those customers after they've owned their car long enough to get damaged. Mm-hmm. But with window tint, ceramic coating, PPF, a lot of those are done in the very first two to three months of ownership. So now you're capturing that customer. And if you're doing it right, and you've got a CRM, you've got that customer in your system early on in the ownership. And then you can offer all these other services through the lifetime of that ownership of, of that vehicle. Yeah, that, that's the guy that goes, it's vice versa too, right? Because there's a lot of guys just do that, just do window tint ceramic and they get them, they, someone typically, someone buys a brand new car, a lot of people, a large percentage, maybe you know those numbers, Matt, and go str- directly to there, get their tint ceramic, and then psh, they're gone <laughs> forever. So, right. So outside of a maintenance wash for the ceramic, if you're a window yeah. tinter, you don't typically, um, I mean, until they buy another car, you don't typically ever hear from yeah. your customer again. Right? Or you screw up. Or, yeah, or if you're a PPF <laughs> installer and until they until that PPF fails or until they get an accident. Get a repaint, yeah. 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 Um, you know, ceramic is the only one that you can create some maintenance washes and some, some, some residuals out of it but then again you still have to have the staff and the space to do something like that so again it's it's you know mm-hmm. and you have to have a crm and a system that is in place that tells you when this customer needs to come you know i mean 
all those things cost a lot of money. And it's so, so for us, it, 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 you know, I, I love the phrase business breeds business. So, so, you know, a customer comes in for a ceramic coating, we find a Dording, you better believe they're about to spend $1,800 yeah. on a ceramic coating with us. You better yeah, believe they're probably going to spend a hundred dollars, 150 bucks to get that Dording fixed, you know, and on the same side, that customer comes in with a, with an older body Porsche that they're spending 700 bucks to get all the dings fixed. When they get it done, you say, you know what, when, you know, and they look in the shop and they see a really nice looking car in there and maybe they see another Porsche in there that's shiny. <laughs> and, you know, you, yours could look like that too. And all of a sudden that customer that came in to spend five, six, seven hundred dollars with you for a correction, now they're starting to think about how do I protect it now? Now, you know, mm -hmm. would PPF or would ceramic be a good option to keep these things from happening and to keep it looking good? Now that I've got it looking new, how do I keep it looking that way longer? And so I think these services just complement each other so much, even better than the body shop PDR that I kind of originally went into it thinking. Um, I, I just feel like all these services just complement one another so much, um, you know, in a way that, that, that you know, allows us to grow our client base and grow our um, our brand within the community and do do a lot of, um, you know, get, just growing our market share, really. And, and, and it's a slow growth. But I mean, I, I, I see it every day. I mean, the longer we're here, the more times people just walk in saying, oh, yeah, my friend or, hey, I saw you driving on the road or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's that's huge. Um, Matt, do you see uh, more shops in the future, um, like PDR shops per se, adding new services? Because um, for us, I, I, I'm hearing a lot of shops that are just a lot of road guys that have been doing dealership work are like really pushing to start getting into the brick and mortar locations. And I think they're starting to see all the same stuff that we did in the beginning where, you know, it's all nice. You start hiring employees, but then you got to start spending tons of money on everything you, we just talked about so do you see the growth of uh, brick and mortar shops keep going up or going down i mean i think that that um <laughs> the reason people know my name in the pdr world is because i was one of the first that wasn't the first but i was one of the first to kind of publicly like this is my journey this is what we're doing like no. it love it hate it win or lose fail whatever it is i'm just going to show you guys my journey um, the more people that do it, the more people that are going to get the comp. A lot of people don't want to be the first one to step out there, right? <laughs> like, and, and the more people that see it and feel a little bit more confident, and I, although I've seen how this could work and I could, I could make this happen, the more that are going to do it. Um, but I definitely think the more people that do it, they, if, if you're not advanced, if you're not getting into multiple services, you're never going to scale beyond what you're just you as a tech. Now you could absolutely open a shop to work out of, if you work in maybe some inclement climate and like, this is what I want is just to not have, I don't want to have off days because the weather sucks. Like I want to be able to work um, doing my trade mm -hmm. in a, in a building, whether it's winter tent or PPF or ceramic or, or mm -hmm. you know, detailing or dent or whatever. Um, but as soon as you start scaling your staffing, you better be bringing on more revenue and that, and it's right. easier to bring on more revenue quickly in my opinion by bringing on more services for the same clients that you're already selling to, right? There's a certain percentage of customers that give a crap about their car enough to spend blank, to spend a thousand dollars on a this or spend fifteen hundred dollars on a ceramic or to to spend, you know, you know, five hundred on PDR or whatever it is. Like there's only you know, there's a majority there's there, there's a certain population of customers that won't spend that money. They're just not your customer. But once you find the ones that are Offering multiple services that kind of all overlap a little bit to me is is the only way to survive at scale. Uh, so, 
I think you're going to see a lot of people that go into shops and stay one man, but then mm-hmm. as soon as they start hiring, they, they better bring on more services. I, I think you need to like really sit down with yourself and ask yourself, you know, what, what route you want to go to. Cause if you, if you, if you don't really want to grow, push, create a large business or anything like maybe maybe don't even start going down the road of hiring people get a shop maybe a front desk staff and just be like this is what i do like i i'm a dent guy i fix dents i make as much as i can out of the shop i work eight to five or whatever and then and then and then that's it but just understand that on the back side of that the difference is that that's not a scalable sellable thing Maybe, maybe a shot, maybe a little bit if you find another dent guy that wants to take your spot. But other than that, I know with, with the route you're going, Ryan, there's all, or Matt, there's all different struggles, different struggles. But on the end of that, there's some bonuses on the back end. Maybe, maybe you're able to step away and not do dents 24 seven. Maybe you can sell the company, et cetera. So two different paths, both matter respect. I know, I, I'm sure Matt, sometimes you've thought like, why don't, why aren't I just fix a dent stone? I'm sure that's crossed your mind. Like what, what do I, I thought like, it. Like yeah. every week, probably. Like every week, yeah. my, I mean, that's yeah, exactly. legit. Like, I'm not joking. Like, and, and, and I don't push that often. I never was someone who liked pushing dents. I'm yeah. not a passionate technician. Yeah. I liked being an entrepreneur. I like working for myself. And I like the freedom that came with it. And I, and I mm-hmm. like uh, having success that was that I could look back and say, like, that was me. And I, like, I did that. You yeah. know, when I failed, not having to blame or being able to blame anyone else, look at myself in the mirror and say, like, that was me. Fix it. You know, like, mm-hmm. I like that instant accountability um and so I, you know for me scaling and you know i'm i agree 100 percent, Corey. You, you need to look yourself in the mirror and say well ask yourself what you want as far as a career goes i mean most of the people who are asking themselves these questions are already entrepreneurs right more yeah. than likely yeah. that's where yeah. they're at already mm-hmm. so um you're already somewhat creating your own career right now yeah if if you don't think you're the kind of person who likes like you don't like doing Nobody likes doing taxes, but you don't like doing the <laughs> business part of the business owner. You don't like marketing. You don't like figuring out your SEO. And that's okay, but you need to be in your head, realize that that's a, somebody's got to do it. And if it's not going to be me, I got to hire yes. somebody to do it. And that yeah. costs money, right? Like whether I'm, if I'm the head guy or whether I'm the manager or I'm the business owner, like if I'm not one of those roles, I got to pay someone else to be one of those roles. Yeah. I can't do all three. I can't be the tech, the manager and the entrepreneur. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the, right. Like the, like those yeah. three, those three roles all need to exist for your business to thrive. Mm-hmm. And as a business owner, I really love being that entrepreneur. I like thinking yeah. about tomorrow and I like recruiting the right technicians and I like creating processes and then, and then bringing someone in and saying, look, today you're going to be for this role. But if you, if you, show me that you're worth investing and then we're going to train you to fit this next role. And that's your long-term, you know, and having, seeing that sparkling guys, I love that. Like I get, yeah. I get excited about that. Um, sell, selling the dream, selling the dream to them. Selling the dream, selling the dream to them. And yeah. selling to clients that like, we're the answer yeah. for kind of everything. Like I, I love, we don't do a whole lot of wholesale, but the wholesale we yeah. do is basically dealerships that got sick of dealing with 10 different vendors. So they just call us and just literally, yeah, we have to do the car. It just calls us, a, brings us a car and says, can y'all just figure this out? Like if there's a, you know, <laughs> we don't, you know, yeah, we'll figure it out. There's smoke smell in this car. Like, can you Chrome delete that? We don't Chrome delete yet. We'll figure it out. Like say yeah. yes, yeah. figure out the details later. Um, and we kind of like being that role in some ways that we're the guy that, that uh, we, we are, we've earned whoever the client is, whether it's wholesale or retail, we earn their trust. 
And so with that trust and that trust came through that education that I talked mm -hmm. about and that yeah. trust came through that, like kind of proving that what we say we're going to do, we're going to do and following up, following through with it. But now once we earn that, you know, it, it opens the door for us to just kind of be the guy for, you know, I literally just got a text from a pre previous customer that texts me that needs a paint on a fender flare on, I don't know, some portion of something. We don't paint, but I'm just going to handle the job for them. We're going to figure yeah. it out to get them to where they bring it to us. And we just take care of the, the problem for them. Yeah. And, um, that's what we do. So, yeah. I feel like we should clarify real quick what maybe, maybe you do everything, but what services do you actually offer in your shop? Yeah. Or so versus, versus not just we'll figure it out stuff, but like, yeah. yeah. So we offer internally and there's, yeah. there's some, one of my shops uh, has, we still contract out some of our film work and, and okay. we're trading we're, we've got some guys going through some training and they're doing some film work, but we still use a, a, a some level of contractor. Okay. Um, okay. But we do in our shop, we do paint and repair. We do paint protection films. So PPF, um, you know, typically we don't do full wrap. We don't do full vinyl or anything like that. Um, we do ceramic coating paint correction, uh, and, uh, and then we do obviously hail, but that's still under the PDR and we will do some small minor collision where it's a lot of part swaps and, and we'll sub out a body shop for paint work. Yeah. Part. And, yeah. R and I parts. We'll do the R and I and we'll do all the parts. We don't do the paint internal T tint. Uh, yeah. Window tint as well. PPF and tint. Sorry. I, 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 we, I, we, wheels. No, uh, we sub that out. We don't, do, uh, we don't offer it other than a freebie for a customer as a customer, as a like if they bring me the touch up, we'll put it yeah. on for free. We don't we don't yeah. sell yeah. that service. Interior? No. Okay. So exterior exterior Everything. stuff. Yeah. PDR, PPF, ceramic tip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but super important, and this is one of my core values too, is like be be the car guy, like figure out the answer. And in the beginning, that's just like hopefully I got we have people that call us that say, Hey, I need, you know, whether it's tent or a body shop or whatever they need with their car it doesn't it doesn't matter in the beginning you can just be directing them even if it's another business right yeah. just be that person for them like hey i know this guy super good i have a wheel guy that we use i have a touch-up guy that we use or whatever be that person and then eventually if you start the business and or the shop have multiple services you can actually take care of that stuff internally i get but, so mad on social media when i see guys complaining about customers asking i know something they don't do and i said like, well, yeah. it's because either through your marketing or through past experience they trust you yeah yeah they're walking to you with this trust and be like i don't know where to turn yeah and and like to me even if it's like a, a front end collision that you don't want to touch or can't handle yeah yeah if, if i'm if i'm telling you business advice and i know this sounds like overkill I'd get that customer's info. It's, it's not. Put them in your CRM, get their email, yeah. their phone number, say, I don't offer that service, but I'm going to send you the link to three different shops that I've worked with that I would recommend. And yes. then you send them an email. And guess what? Next month when you're doing your spring cleaning sale for your detail business or the mm -hmm. next next year when it hails and you want to let that customer know that, hey, we had a hailstorm, you don't have mm -hmm. to. That's one client that you may be able to send a free email to or a free text to that you don't have to pay for the CRM to get or to, for the uh, AdWords to get in front of them. because That, that already trusts you. Because that they just you. they called you and said, "Where do I go, Mister Car and Person? I don't know anything about cars." Exactly, <laughs> and yeah. so so to me, that's a wasted opportunity. That I when yeah. when you complain or when you brush that customer off because the, you don't offer that, and because you can't get you know blank from them tomorrow, you can't get a hundred bucks out of their squeeze a hundred bucks out of them tomorrow for something like that's you thinking way too short sighted, in my opinion. 
Yeah. And, and if that's, if that's who you are, then that's fine, but just don't ever think about scaling a business. Cause that's not, you're yeah. not, not, not the right mindset. For that. Yeah. So I agree. That's some that's some really good knowledge, dude. I think everybody needs to listen to that one. Yeah, because I like you said, man. I hear tons of people that do that. They just they get so mad that somebody's calling them about window tint, and they're like, "I, I mean, I'm the guy. I did it. You know, I've done that." Yeah. So that's good, man. Matt, I um, what what's a CRM? Uh, it's a customer relationship management software. This is uh, for layman's terms. This is essentially a software where you put. On the very base level, you put contact info from a customer, the email, phone number, name, maybe the make and model their car, right? The more robust CRMs are going to allow you to keep up with all of your interactions, maybe your estimates, maybe the phone calls, maybe a log of the calls. As you grow and you've got more people touching the client, uh, interacting with the client, it's really important as an owner for us to have some really, really, uh, just like you want systems in the way you install your tent or then state the way you fix your den. We want systems in the way that we interact with our customers. We, we follow up with them after a certain amount of days. We send them an estimate within this many days. We give them an update on this, you know, um, we hear no this many times before we let them go kind of thing. Um, so CRM, again, the more robust ones are gonna allow me as an owner to not only just be involved, but to keep an eye, eye in the sky on mm-hmm. how my managers interact with clients. And then it also, the kind of the end of it, you get your MailChimp type services, which is essentially a little bit of a CRM version. And, and again, some of the CRMs do a little bit of different services, but you can then do multiple mass email marketing to your yeah. customers. You can know which ones opened the email and how many times they clicked on the link. You can see if they forwarded someone. So again, you know which hot leads are there. So that's what a CRM is. And it's extremely valuable to and, and And the automation too. Like that's huge for oh. us is that like we, we do, we still do a lot of mobile service. And so everything goes into our CRM system. They get an automated text 48 hours in advance the night before in the morning of, Hey, we're coming. If you need to reschedule, let me know, like what, whatever you want it to say. Right. And so the automation stuff, at what point should someone think about getting that? I'm, well, I don't want to make this about a CRM because I know you could talk about CRM for hours, <laughs> but so we'll stop here. But just because you've said it a few times, I want to make sure people are aware. A lot of people that if you're by yourself, most people don't aren't even aware of CRMs. But if you want to grow, scale a business, change all that stuff, you need to start being aware of these things as in your future. So w- when should we get one? Uh, if you ever want to scale or grow a business, you need to have some version of a CRM now, so, so, tomorrow, yeah. like right now. And, and that could be your invoicing software that you use. You just mm-hmm. need, two, you need two things. You need to be able to capture the customer's contact info, Yes. phone number, email, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you need to make sure with that software that at the end of the day, if you ever want to export that list and put it into a more robust, into a MailChimp or into a HubSpot or Salesforce, mm-hmm. they have a way for you to export that 2000 client list that you've created over the last mm-hmm. five years. Because if they aren't going to do that and you're going to have to spend three weeks manually line out of typing, <laughs> there's better options out there. Yeah. Um, there's probably free options out there. But a CRM would be, I mean, I, I can't tell you how much opportunity I lost because early on in my career, when I was too lazy to like put in a customer's info, I would get one of the biggest regrets, (laughs) retail client, or I would just like, ah, they're paying cash for this job. I don't need to keep a record of it. Right. (laughs) That's like, like that. No, that customer paid cash. I want, I want to service them for the rest of my career. Yeah. (laughs) So so why should, I mean, so it's just flat out laziness not to to take some info from that customer. And um, what we could drop a little a little referral to like mobile tech rx can 
do the Absolutely. majority of this. So guys that are in everybody, most people in PDR understand what Mobile Tech RX is. If you're in detail, ceramic, PPF, wheels, anything else like that, MTRX, Mobile Tech, Mobile Tech RX, like a prescription.com kit is the is a way to capture client uh contact info and also has a version of a cm built crm built in there where they can get some automated text reminders and, and things like that so um and you and you, I can know ex- you can export from there too right now yes i know that for firsthand because i've exported from the, so so mobile tech we use mobile tech in our shop and this Same. again is it isn't an ad for mobile tech but but i love yeah. it no I just drop them as a dent guy we could do PDR with mobile tech RX, but then yeah. because they offer all the other services, there's a lot of great uh, invoicing and estimating softwares for PDR. And there's a lot of great ones for window tent. There's a lot of great ones for detailing, but there's very few that do all of them. And mobile tech RX does all of them. So even if today yeah. you don't do all those services, you may down the road do all those services. So having, yeah. having the ability to scale into all those services are really, really big, huge plus for me uh, for mobile tech. I mean, I, I am, we wouldn't be where we are as a business if it wasn't for for our relationship with them. So. Same, yeah. and the CRM. Those Thanks. two, those two things, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Um, um, yeah. Which service, as for PDR guys listening, which service did you add first, and why? Why didn't you pick so that? We were subbing out window tent first, and we and we were subbing it out pretty heavily, so much so that we had a guy essentially on retainer two days a week just just sitting mm. at our shop he just showed up at the shop mm. mm-hmm. and i committed at, at you know we went from a commission to essentially like me trying my hand at having an employee at that role um i would have hired two, him two days a week two days a week <laughs> yeah. yeah i would have had full time with him but he didn't want to leave he was a contractor and he was scared to walk away and yeah this yeah. was my pitch to try to like woo him into to being a part of what we're doing um that was day one and that was early on and i really liked it because again your dealerships that you already have relationships within your body shops need a tinter, right? So you already have relationships with some wholesale clients that that need that service. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, their retail clients, when they do get tent, like we said, a majority, not all, but a majority of them are getting it within the first three months of ownership. And so because they're getting it right after they own the vehicle, they come in, especially in, we have a nice shop, we have a nice waiting room, we have a very nice presence, nice flooring, all that good stuff, big mm-hmm. glass, you can see it in the shop, we're not hiding anything. So when they come in, when we take the car around and get it, you know, the tent done, they're sitting in a waiting room watching videos of dent repair being done in the past. And now in the back of their head, even if even if we we would love to obviously have the opportunity to talk to them, we got them in our CRM, so we may send them an email talking about dent repair down the road. But even if none mm-hmm. of those things land, in the back of their head, they remembered seeing something being about a dent. So when they get a dent, they aren't going to Google search dent repair near me. They're going to just call us just because they're oh, like, yeah. don't y'all fix this, right? And so, so again, <laughs> it kind of helped. Um, I feel so, like... Go ahead. Sorry. Do you think that I, I'm trying to put myself in a position of, you know, I'm out here doing one service. I want to add another service. What should it be? And I know the easy debt is correct. Protect, right? Like you talked about, if you're doing PDR, you're only capturing them later in the, in the life cycle of their car. And you want to yeah. window tint captures in the beginning. If you're doing something that captures in the, in the beginning, should you do something that captures them down the road? Is that like the next service you should add is like, um, you know what I mean? I I think there's a huge benefit to doing that. Um, you know, it's th- this is a very this can be a really long conversation yeah, about know. this because there's a lot of reasons that. Um, to me, the thing that would be the easiest if I was a single operator right now, right, and I was thinking about adding a service, uh, the way we did it was we brought in the subs, and that kind of opened the door for that. 
But if I was doing it right now, all over, uh, ceramic coating paint correction would make the most sense. And it's yeah. because it, it, for me, um, it's, it's, you already have an eye for, cause you understand reading lights and you understand what metal's doing. So you already have an eye for the paint correction portion of it. You just got to learn mm -hmm. some of the different compounds and polishes. There's definitely a learning curve, but it's, it's super small compared to PDR. If you're already a PDR guy, you've gone through, in my opinion, what's the longest or close if it's not the longest ppf and pdr are the two that take the longest to learn right yeah, um, yeah yeah but ceramic is the paint correction portion is something that's fairly easy to learn and then the actual ceramics nowadays are extremely easy to apply mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and and easy to troubleshoot when there is an issue um and it's really hot right now i mean it's just a sexy thing and so yeah. again that's an early on process typically now you do get some longer paint correction um, where, you know, you get a couple year old car that needs a two or three step or whatever it is, but a majority of ours are, uh, right off the bat. And obviously there's other options for, if you've got yeah. something that is more, you know, a five-year-old car that needs a, a more robust, you've had other options on the table as well. Yeah. Obviously the restore effects and, and, you know, that's Cause that's the road y'all both going down. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Correct. I saw like Ryan Smirk over there too with like the paint correction stuff. We have, a, we have an episode coming out next month talking to like with restore effects guys, kind of talking about what restore effects does versus paint correction and too. Yeah. So when you're talking, yes, yeah. So ceramic sure. coating and paint correction or or ceramic coating restore effects is it? Yeah, I, mean, I think ceramic coating to me is the option that's the easiest to teach. Yes. I could teach a PDR guy to ceramic coat. I could teach a window tinter to ceramic coat. I could teach if you have any skills yeah. in any of these in these recon services, ceramic yes. coating would be the one that I could teach the fastest. It's mm -hmm. not that it's mm -hmm. easy for a layman to do, but it, but you already have an understanding of a car in a way yes, that it's repeatable. People, it's repeatable. Um, tent takes longer to train. PPF takes extremely long time to train. And even when yeah. you do train, there's a lot of troubleshooting. And I mean, we're doing, we literally have some, some guys doing some advanced training in my shop right now um, mm -hmm. for PPF um, that have been doing it for over a year. And they've got, we got to wrap down just helping get some more hands-on training. We'd schedule this out just to, just to try to level up that, that um, even more. Um, but I, but I feel like if you're adding one service, if I was adding one service tomorrow and I was a one man yeah. operation, ceramic coating would be the one that I would, would I would go towards. Day I one. agree. Yeah. Um, and I, and, and, you know, and again, it, it, whether I was a PDR guy or a window tinter or a PPF guy, that'd be the one for us. PPF is the one that again, has the biggest headaches because I think PDR would be the biggest headache if I didn't have that. Yes. Background, yes. Right? Yeah. Because I already have that background. PPF is the one that's the hardest to train. It's the hardest to find mm -hmm. the, right, the right worker. It's the, it's the hardest to under set up expectations for clients and those kind of things. Yeah. They're brand new cars, so they expect perfection or better. Yeah, <laughs> um, better. Yeah, but but as many times as I've gotten frustrated over the last two years with PPF, and even at times thought about, you know what, let's just let's just be these other. Th There's a lot of clients that when they call, they want to do PPF and ceramic over the top. And if you're not offering PPF, you're probably not going to land the ceramic job. Yeah, so and those are big of, ticket. Those are big ticket. They are big, those are very big, big ticket items. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, we have a Rivian in right now, the one yeah. of the trucks that's in right now, and it's a four thousand dollar ticket for for you know some ceramic and PPF. Um, yeah. That that you know, at, at, as a PDR guy, like none of my dent guys are touching that car, and that's happening at my shop. You know, in the background, yeah. of, not in the background. It's in the foreground. It's right. Right up front. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and I think what's interesting is I, I looked at the numbers before we came on uh, about the shop and the percentages of the different services that we that we do just just in the last um, 
So I've had one shop for, for uh, a little bit over five, almost five years now. And I've had the other shop for about a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. Um, the first shop, I was doing PDR in that market for a long time. So I was pretty well established, right? So the numbers, here's here's the breakdown. I don't want to get bored listeners or viewers with numbers, but yeah. our PDR at shop number one still represents 45 to 50% of our revenue at that shop right now. Um, and that's, again, if I look at January to today, so six months, basically this past six months, um, ceramic makes up about 25%. Our film makes up about 12.5%. Now, that shop is still subbing out a good bit of the film. We will, we will kick those numbers up once we have that internal completely. Mm-hmm. And then we have parts, R&I, um, you know, subbing out paint, uh, other just miscellaneous stuff, uh, 12.5%. So that's the way that kind of breaks out, right? Mm-hmm. But this store I'm sitting in right now, <clears throat> we didn't have an established PDR market here. I opened the store, dropped it in. Day one had a manager, a PDR tech, a window tinter, and a ceramic coating installer. Day one. So it was a it was a, a business in yeah. a box, right? So I had zero established. Again, we're a year and a half into this. Right here, our PDR is uh uh 30% of our current sales mm. at this store. Ceramic coating is 40% of this store's sales. Wow. And our PPF intent is 25%. And then the other, the body shop, the, the miscellaneous and the subcontractor is only about 5% at this store. So P, so ceramic coating is actually bigger at this store than, than now obviously if it hailed, that would change numbers and all that. But outside <laughs> of normal living day to day, ceramic coating uh, makes up more revenue at the store than I'm currently uh, sitting in. Um, and it's because it's immediately able to go in and and i think it's easier to market because it, uh, we were talking about how challenging things are to market ceramic coating right now is a little bit easier to understand for a client that's that's just google searching they know even if they don't it. understand it they know they want it they know they want it they know it's right, the sexy right. thing that their their buddy in the tesla group has it they've got their yeah, Porsche yeah, yeah. neighbor that has a Porsche has it and they know it looks shiny so they know it, they know it does some level of protection so they they get that and it's a sexy term i mean ceramic just that's why they use ceramic tint and all that you know all the other stuff mm-hmm. so um it's interesting that that day one opening a shop in a box that, that that's actually a bigger opportunity for us than dentists are yeah um, and um and we have less staff doing that at the store too so um I want to talk about how you transitioned from because you were easy dent for since 2005, right, or somewhere around there. Yeah, I was um, and I bought easy dent. The, the company that I bought okay. was easy dent when I bought. Okay, it. gotcha. And and then now you're easy auto spa, so not easy dent, but now you're like, look at I do all the things. It's not just 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 dent, and that may be part of why the other shop even too. It's not easy dent. It's easy auto spa. So it's all of this stuff. Um, I want to talk about that, but first I want to, I want to ask what your opinion is on other people. Cause not only PDR techs are listening to this, we got, you know, all the other types of services. Yeah. If they want to add PDR to what they're doing, how do you recommend that they do that employee or contractor? Um, I think that that would be a service that's similar to PPF. If you could find an established, someone who has some experience, maybe they aren't, maybe they aren't an eight year, 10 or 12 year tech, but they've got three years experience and they work in the, you know, they work outside and they do wholesale dealership lot. They're sick of the heat. They're sick of the rain and they're sick of losing weather, you know, days because of weather, but you have a shop, you have something that they want, but maybe they don't want to do that on their own. I would, I would try to find somebody in your market that you could maybe bring on as, as, as a partner in that and give them something they can't do on their own, which is the shop is the, is the, Mm -hmm. you handle the marketing, you you're handling landing the clients, you're handling the taxes, you're handling all, you know, you're able to bring insurance or whatever it is. 
Um, and again, to me, and if you can't go down that road and you are going to try to send someone and train them, then you need to know that it's a longer term. Um, and, and you probably need to establish some relationship with some wholesale just to create a training ground for your tech. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, yeah. if, if you throw a, if you throw a raw tech that you sent to two weeks of training and try to send them out in the shop, it, you're going to have some really pissed off customers. And, and you do high end PPF or, or, yeah, it, or whatever. It, it, and you it, throw that. It won't align with who you are as a company. It's yeah. not going to, it's not going to be a clean. Um, and then the expense on uh PDR technicians even getting them is uh, it's going to be probably one of the highest. Would y'all say highest um, in uh, our services? It can be. It's it's the highest from a straight labor, but it's the only one that doesn't have material cost. Yeah, only so, one that costs. Yeah, but to get that to get a technician ready for retail. Is oh, what to I'm get saying. them trained. Yeah. yeah, the training is definitely up there i mean it, it, it's not just going to be the two-week course that you send them to nah. some guy for two weeks that's not what we're talking about what, what, what about the retainer option though like you, do you do you find a, a tech that and say you know two days a week i want to set up pdrs for you i think if you if at the end of the day i'm a big fan of no matter what it is try to figure out what you know we, i make all my employees do all these personality tests and it's yeah, not right, because yeah. i just like want to get their psyche it's because i want to know what motivates them and you got to realize everybody that's out there is not going to be motivated by the same thing you are. You may be motivated by money or by freedom or by whatever the thing is, mm-hmm. but the next guy may be motivated by not having to ever talk to a customer or security literally, or security. Or, yeah. I mean, I have, I have one of my best employees. He's a fantastic technician, uh, does film for us. And, and this isn't trying to share too much. One of his biggest hangups when we hired him, one of the biggest things was he had, he has a, his youngest son plays travel ball baseball. And he wants to be able to go watch his travel ball baseball. So we made an offer to him that allowed him to travel to see these games. That was extremely important to him. That's mm-hmm. not going to matter to a 23-year-old who just mm-hmm. is hungry and is like, you know, he just came off the hail trail and he made the most money he's ever made last year. And you're trying to recruit him to come to your shop. Like, you you know, so finding the right person that cares and, and sees and understands what you bring as a value um, and, and then, and then also trying to figure out what it is that, that, that they're motivated by and either give them that now or create a path for them to earn that as they're a part of your team. Um, some people want to ownership, so maybe create it to our, Hey, let's help build this up. And then we're going to open a second shop together and you'll own a piece of it or, Hey, come on board. And after three years, if the numbers are this, then I'll give you blank percent, you know, it, again, everybody's going to be motivated by something different. So you've That's got to you got to evaluate who you are and what you're willing to do and give up and all that. But, but at the end of the day, you really need to align, you know, the right <laughs> technician, the right staff that wants what you have to offer. Right. Um, yeah. And the reality is Ryan, your point, like, like, you know, as a cost and as expensive PDR, I can't afford to hire some PDR guys and I can't afford to hire some winter tenters. I can't afford to hire some deep chapters. Like I, right. there are guys out there that would, I would love to have, they're amazing. I just can't afford them because they value dollars over anything else. Well, as mm-hmm. a shop, we got more overhead expense that they'll ever understand. So I just can't, right. I can't pay anywhere near that, but I can give things that they can't do when they work for themselves on the hail trail or when they, you know what I mean? And, and so it's about finding the people that value what you have to offer and, and knowing that that's a thing. Good. Should the goal always be to get, make the employee, make just to have an employee doing that service if you're saying hey i want to add pdr to my ceramic and tinting company um 
I mean, even if you start out as a contractor situation, should the, the goal always needs to be if you want to scale to bring find an employee, whether it's that person or someone else, where you're like, hey, I'm going to start offering it as a 1099 contractor position. Eventually, I'm going to bring in an employee. Or can I, you just keep it as a contractor forever? I, I think if you've got a contractor forever, first off, if your goal is to like, it depends on what your goal is. If your goal is yeah. to like grow a business that's got some value or some investor comes in and buys you out, yeah, they don't want yeah, any part it of has, the contract. It has to be employees. Yeah. Yeah. The contractors don't mean anything. Um, no. If you're if you're just trying to create cash flow, the contractors are fine, but just mm-hmm. know that that can go away tomorrow, and there's nothing you can do about that. And and yeah. and so stability is only going to come from you offering some stability to that person, and you're going to yeah. gain some stability for your company as a result. If you're not willing and you're not able to offer that stability, the cus to the to the technician so you need to keep them as a contractor because you don't you're not guaranteed that the winner you're gonna have enough work for them or whatever it is yeah, yeah, yeah fine but you can't expect them to be stable and like stick with you when the hills an hour away or in their back like you know <laughs> or whatever it is like why why would they stick with you if you're not willing to make that commitment to them you know so um so to me yeah i, I think scaling you have to go down the w2 down the employee yep down the term um I mean, that's my experience at least. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us about how you, I know we talked about it a lot leading up to it, but you made this full transition into, you know, you were easy dent and you were offering all this other stuff. There was easy dent, correct, protect, right? It was like the slow, like commitment (laughs) to easy. Yeah. I I went from easy dent for years and years and years. And then we just, we changed over to easy dent auto spa. Um, and it was trying to, we were trying to, again, marketing is a big thing for me. That's the thing that drives a lot of what I do. And I was trying to tell people what I did. Easy dent tells people we fix dents. Now they don't understand exactly what we do, but we make dent repair look easy and whatever. Like there's some stuff you can do with that. Um, auto spa is a name that people understand at least a little more. They don't know exactly what it is, but they know it's something to do with keeping their car rejuvenated, looking clean, yeah, you know, sure, go to a spa, sure. you get a massage, you get a pedicure, you get a facial, whatever it is. Um, so for us, we tried to transition that. And what we found was I just put myself in the shoes of the client. And if my goal is to establish trust with that client. And my goal is for them to just say, Matt or Preston or Ethan or whoever the team members they're talking to, I trust your company. I've done my research. You're the company I want to go with. You tell me what to do, right? If that's the end goal that we really want, right? Then then I think day one, moment one, when they're looking and they're researching, they're looking at four companies and they're saying they're looking for PPL, they're looking for window tint, they're looking for ceramic or whatever it is. And they got three companies and I'm making up names, but it's Atlanta Ceramic Pro or, or Atlanta Paint Protection Experts or Georgia's, whatever it is, versus Easy Dent offering PPF, it seems like that's a, a secondary thing for us. Yes. Mm. And it, and, and it was, originally. it was, it was originally, <laughs> but I realized I looked myself in the mirror and I, I mean, I've got, um, I mean, our team with, with the, some of the subs and all that, we have around 19 people that kind of make this ship between the two shops that are, that are a part of our ship, a part of this every week. Right. Yeah. They keep it moving. Um, of that 19, only one, two, uh, four of them are PDR techs, right? So uh, it, 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 it's not, we're not a primarily PDR company, it, yeah, not from staffing, yeah. not from our marketing and not from our message and not from our revenue. Even. So we, that is a finger on our hands, but, but 
I needed to communicate that to our employees too. I wanted our employees that are that are ceramic coating experts that take their jobs really damn seriously, that come into work and they 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 take their time and they do the cars right. I want them to know that that they work at a company that that represents who they are and what they care about. Um, so we transitioned over to Easy Auto Spa. Um, and we liked the term, we liked this idea of correct and protect. And we thought that, that was a unique thing. Most body shops just correct, right? Most ceramic coating and detailers just protect, or maybe they do some pay correction, but it's a lot of, most PPF are just, just doing protection. Mm-hmm. But we like the idea that we kind of are falling in between a little bit. We, we, we can correct dents, we can correct sort you know, paint correction, we can do, we can fix things that you, the blemishes you don't like. And then we can take it a step further and keep this from maybe happening quite as often with the PPF or with the or with the ceramic uh, um, coating options. And so we just like that that, that we've landed mm-hmm. kind of in between there. Um, I've 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 talked about this from the PDR standpoint. I always felt like PDR was an urgent care model. It wasn't mm-hmm. quite the hospital. It was the it was the the faster. It's less invasive. It's a little cheaper. It's maybe you don't want to go through insurance. It's a it that's kind of the lane it falls in. So, you know. A lot of what we want to do is just think about the way our customer envisions us and looks at us and, and is the marketing and our name and everything aligned with that. And it, I, I didn't feel like it was until we made that transition over. Yeah. Um, and we want to, you know, again, we want to highlight and are proud of the things we do at PDR and Ale or the ceramic coating and the PPF and the tent and all the other stuff. Like, you know, both to our client. When a client drops off with us, we want to be experts at that thing to where they, they, as much as they want to know, we've got as a resource and are are able to educate them to where they, at the end of the day, they said, you know, we appreciate you educating us through your resources, through your videos, through your content, through your conversations. We trust you. Just tell us what to do at this point. And that's the goal for all of our interactions with our clients. I love it. Yeah. Knowledge, dude. That's awesome. I feel like every time I have a podcast, I go back home and I'm like, we got to start running business totally different. (laughs) This is all good. I hope hope this is working for everybody else too. People think that, um, you know, I ran a podcast for a hundred plus episodes. They think, they think I'm out here doing it for them, but it really is for me. (laughs) I'm like, I'm taking notes on this stuff and they just get to hear the conversations happening for sure. I was just thinking I I missed uh, Matt's um, presentation over at mobile tech expo this year. And I'm like, I just, I just got it. Appreciate it, Matt. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and and Corey, I mean, you and I talk about this a lot that like half the stuff I do or we do as business owners it, it, you know, we're not breaking, we may be breaking, feel like we're breaking new ground in a certain industry, but mm-hmm. what we're really doing, I know you do this, I know I do this, we read a lot of books from people that are a yep. lot smarter than us, yes. and we try to look at other businesses and saying, all right, why is that working, and how could yep. that translate into what we do? I, I've gotten to, I mean, I know we're on a podcast for guys that are in the industry, and I'm not saying that yep. this isn't good resources, but I want to get as many resources as I can outside this industry to bring back to my business because no, no absolutely. Yeah, all totally of these industries are very young as yeah. a whole. I mean, all of these are. Um, yeah. And so there's just so much you can learn out there. And so, so, you know, a majority of what I do is I just read books and then I, yeah. I put, put certain things that I read into practice. And, 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 and but, you know, what I, what I just talked about the trust is the book I recommended to you that you read, they ask you answer. It's literally yep. that book. Changed and you bet you I, mentioned, you mentioned E-Myth earlier, phenomenal yeah. book, which That's I read. Great. All of those um, were, things. Were you always a reader, Matt? No. Like as a as me either. It's like as no. a teenager or I, young twenties school time. Didn't care about yeah. it. 
if I got it, I got into reading when I could listen to audiobooks and do it while I was working. One hundred percent. I was about to ask: Is it is it reading or is it audiobooks? I, it's ninety percent audio. So I do yeah. audiobooks, and then if I really like the book, I'll buy the paperback or the hardback. That's exceptional. Exactly. So that I have it on the shelf, this, and dude, I can yep. and refer to it, and I can, yeah. I can refer to it, or I can lend it to someone, or I can make yeah. notes. Or I can go, there's that quote, and it's like I don't want to try to listen to the audio and find that quote. Like it's easier. Yeah. Literally, the biggest secret out there to to getting better in the business world: podcasts and audiobooks, especially in the industry that we do. All of us are out there working with our hands. And at a certain yeah. point, it's 95% hands and 5% brain at a certain point. You know, we're just doing PR, yeah. just doing our thing. Um, put, Learn some stuff. Anything that most stuff that I say that you've learned from me, the podcast or, or Matt stuff, like we, we heard it, we heard it from, we heard it from other people for the most part. I mean, we, we put our spin on it, like change it up a little bit, like add our little flair to it, but we learned it from other people. And so like, I mean, the importance of, gaining knowledge on a daily basis is I, I I've said it a million different times. I can't emphasize it enough. Don't be anti reading books. If you, if you're saying you want to grow a business and scale and make more money and do all that, but you're like, oh, I don't really, I don't really read books. Like it's never, it's not, it's never going to happen. I would encourage you to find, uh, if you find them in your business, great. Even if it's outside your business, find some business owners that are in a similar spot to you. And maybe even some that are a little bit above a little bit, you know, um, mm -hmm. So that you can talk to, have you know, get vulnerable with, but then also yep. share share books. Like literally, make that a part of your company. I mean, Corey and I got to be yeah, friends through I don't know online, and then we played top golf together, yeah. and then and then we started. We just hit it off and start talking, and a lot of my our my best golf shot I ever hit in my life. Right in front. Of, it was a it was a line drive. Uh, but yes, uh, the. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of our conversations tend to lead to, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think about this? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a vulnerable, it's a asking for you to critique it before I go and spend money and resources and time and make yeah. a full, full lot of us. I'd rather full, make a full lot of myself in front of one person than everybody. So. Yeah, exactly. And that's, uh, well, that's a trust thing. That's what your customers, yeah. like I have this new car. I just spent like nowadays a hundred thousand dollars. It seems like every car on yeah. I, I don't know. Like I, I've heard of this like ceramic thing, like PPA. Like I, I feel like I don't know what I should do. Can you tell me what I should do? And like you learn, you learn to trust these people. And same thing goes with Matt. Other people, it's like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Like, what do you like? Like, tear it down. <laughs> tell me why I shouldn't do it. Right, mm -hmm. type of thing. So yeah, find those people and then find the find the the knowledge in books, pod books, podcasts. I mean, you know. Yeah. Things like that. So, so let's get what's what's three good books for any of the listeners that don't. Uh, I mean, I I love E Myth. E Myth changed the, my mm -hmm. career. That was like the really first. Did. That was the it, first book. It, it was the one that I I honestly I joke about this, and I I don't think it's a joke. I genuinely was going to quit PDR because yeah. I was just burnt out. Like I was making mm -hmm. great money, but I was bored out of my mind. It's a lot of guys, and I was just this is not hard. But I don't feel challenged, and I feel just like, is this it? Like career? -wise, I I have I'm super. I, I've either got to like wrap my brain around just being satisfied outside of career and career just being boring, or mm -hmm. and it's not the PDR is not a fantastic career for a lot of people. It just wasn't my thing. I'm not an artistic yeah. guy by nature. I don't have that kind of left brain, you know, um, thoughts. And so as a result, I um, or right brain, whatever it is. But as a result, I, I just. I, I read that book and it and it changed my um, it changed the way I perceived myself and my role at my own business. Mm -hmm. um, that was a, a big one. The they asked you answer was a really big one. That was one of my favorite one I've read recently. Um, 
what's uh the, the never split the difference is great that one's an amazing negotiating book um if you're into if you're trying to do sales that's a that's a big one um but Corey, what are the ones you like um those are probably the biggest ones I mean, a big one. yeah yeah they ask you answer never split the difference all all books that i've read as well and honestly like the, when i think of um when i think of like the books like emith is is the biggest one for me I would say as well, which it is for everybody. And I would say uh, how to win friends and influence people, obviously another oh, yeah, class, yeah, yeah. classic, um, you know, anybody in business that is successful has read that or pulled from it. Um, and um, I'm trying to think, I'm so bad at like remembering the titles of the titles of books, like on the spot. Um, I so, like, yeah. I like going through and like, you know, Hey, I really want to work on my marketing. So I'm going to, I'm going to mm-hmm. research some of the marketing That's books. Pretty much what I do. You know, and then, and then, I, but then I also, um, you know, Hey, I really want to work on, um, you know, building the right team and recruiting the right people. So let me think about how to be a good leader. Um, yeah. you know, it start yeah. with why was a big one for me too. Uh, Simon Sinek, that one, that one was, I mean, start with why. Is, yep. yeah, that one was huge. Um, and that helped, you know, again, a lot of this, I'm, I'm talking about motivating and finding the right technicians that want to be motivated yeah. or figuring out those motivations. There's, there's, again, these aren't original thoughts. These are things that I read and then just put into place mm-hmm. and then, oh, it does work. Let me tell my friends about this. Yeah. And I, I would say recently, um, anything that Mike McCallowitz, McCallowitz has written, um, I've read two of his books now and every time I read, I'm like, this guy knows what's up. So Profit First, I think was a huge book yeah. for me. Um, yeah. I hate, I hate, literally hate accounting. Um, I think it's, I think it, it doesn't make sense to me because it's all after the fact, like we all complain about it. Accounting is, it's like fake almost. It's not, yeah. it's not the dollars you actually have. It's just showing you what taxes you have to pay. So yes. if you're running your business based off of like a P and L from two months ago that you finally figured out, um, doesn't really help you. Like how much money do you have going forward and all that stuff. And, and people that don't understand that stuff, I've literally talked to them. It's like the accountant says, cool. You made uh, $80,000 last year. They're like, uh, where is it? Yeah, <laughs> It's gone. Um, so the profit first thing I think was, it's basically like an, a cat, a cash accounting system, which yeah. makes sense to me, multiple different bank accounts, you know, and you're putting, moving money around that way. And then I just read the pumpkin plan and I was like, this is a phenomenal book. Like honestly, like how to grow the biggest pumpkin. Um, it's it. Mike, he's a, he's a goofball too, which I kind of like because it keeps me entertained through the thing. But um, anything Mike McCallowitz has written so far, and he's got multiple other books. The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur is the one I'm going to read next. But um, Ryan, Ryan on the list, by the way, that's that's one. So you know, I haven't read it. I'm glad you liked it. So yo, dude, it's 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 it, that. He he puts stuff in a way. He makes analogies in a way that you'll remember them forever because it's kind of ridiculous. Like, how do you grow? How do people grow the largest pumpkins? Like award-winning pumpkins, right? So they focus on one thing, that one thing in the business first, and then they take away all the like dead pumpkins and all that stuff. So it's like the eighty twenty Pareto principle. You focus on that and all the stuff that's not. Yeah, I I don't need to explain the whole book. <laughs> yeah. I, I like it. So Ryan asked for three. We gave people like what eight. We got Emith revisited. They ask you answer. Never split the difference. How to influence influence people. Start with why. A book from Mike McCallowitz. All phenomenal options. The um. 
sorry to, to add another one to the list. No, the, right. um, the, uh, the, the story brand marketing stuff that, uh, what is it? That ha uh, having a story brand, I think is the name of the book. Um, there's yeah. a whole like marketing guru that does it and they do some classes, but that's a really fantastic one in a nutshell about making your client the hero and you be I would say yeah that's awesome you be Obi one like nobody wants to pay to do business with a hero very rarely right like people that every once in a while Kanye West comes along and it's like that guy says he's the greatest and people give him money but most people don't want to give money to people who say they're the greatest people want to give money yeah. to people who make them feel like they the client is smart is right. the hero is the educated yeah. and so again it goes along with that trust but we make ourselves Obi-Wan and let the client be the hero of the story. Implement what you're doing because there's there's literally thousands of marketing books. So if you find one that you like, implement that. Don't don't just listen to marketing books because they'll have a different they'll have a different spin on it. They'll have a different way to do it. All that stuff. you actually have to implement, like take the action. Um, I, and so I read a book I, and then implement. I think, and this is this is the last I'll say about books. I think a lot of these yeah. marketing and these books like this think of them like diets like mm -hmm. you can do dieting sixteen thousand different ways but just Literally. doing something yes. is probably going to make you in the right mindset to where you're working on yourself same mm -hmm. thing with your marketing with your business if you're reading these books it's not that if these two books say, say to do things two different ways it's not that one's that right they one's don't wrong. Work. Yeah. yeah but it's that you as a business owner if you are working on your business and you're consciously in that mindset and thinking about it your business is going to benefit from it it's going to be a better yeah. shape than it was were you not on that workout regimen or on reading that yes. book or whatever it is so Amen. to me to not be satisfied with how your business is and if you want to truly scale and you want to truly grow it's not just good enough just to add services or just add clients you have to be working on the business and the business has to be better than it was five years mm -hmm. ago and it needs, yeah, yeah. it needs more revenue it needs more staffing these are all the other things but you as a business owner have to be a better better owner than you were five years ago too like you you need to be working on yourself as an owner and working on you know so to me that's that's the way I kind of live my life on all this. So. I love it. Last question, I think, unless unless Ryan's got something, kind of a combo question. Part A, would you go back and do it again? Or anything a little different? Part B, what advice, now that you've done it, because like you said before, this is pretty much how you teach people things. You go try it and then fail and then say, no, I'll do it this way. So would you go back and do it again slash differently? What advice would you give someone start to that's starting to add now multiple services into their business? Would I do it again as in offering multiple services or start the whole thing? The whole the whole thing, like shop multiple services where yeah. you are now, two shops for sure. like I was. For sure. I would have I would have yeah. done the shop earlier on. I needed yeah. <laughs> I needed the revenue uh that that we went through for a couple of hailstorms i needed a couple of, of i needed mm -hmm. some cash set aside to go through the first year of of a shop so i probably couldn't have started it much earlier than i did but i yeah. um i would yeah, have loved it's different started. risk levels it's different risk levels or maybe <laughs> yeah i mean if you if you if you're comfortable you know doing debt versus or having an investor versus doing it yourself you know whatever so yeah um, but those are all on the table, but I, I would have loved to have done this earlier. I think that, that that's, um, so I would have done that. And I think that I would have added, uh, specifically ceramic. I would have added that earlier on in mm -hmm. our opening the shop. I would have had that cause there was definitely times, I mean, I've told stories with the PDR guys of like dead shops that were just sitting empty for the, you know, and the, the stresses that go with yeah. that. 
um, yeah. in the first year that's having the ping, pong, the ping pong ping pong story. Yeah, the the <laughs> the, the uh, that, well, that's another podcast for another day. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but the the having those other services, it would have um, made it feel more stressful when it was dead. But I think it would have again business breeds business. The client comes in for one service and they want a second, and all of a sudden you've got a car that. You know, you don't have anything to work on today, but that one customer that comes in for an estimate for a dent, all of a sudden you're settled a dent and you get them to talk it into, you know, hanging on, mm-hmm. leave it here for a ceramic or whatever it is. So, um, and I think we were slow enough the first year that I could have, I could have done it with the staff we had. I wouldn't have had to add to my staff to do yeah. that service. Yeah. Nice. So um, I think I would have liked, I wish that I'd gone back and known the opportunities that were there early on for ceramics specifically. And then advice for people that want to follow any footsteps. Um, yeah, I mean, this is something I've said before, but I will say this again, uh, you need, before you do any shop, before you do any hiring, you need to figure out, and you may not know yet, honestly, but you need to figure out what you want to be doing as a career, what you literally on a day-to-day basis want to be doing with your life. Um, because you don't want to make all these risks and hire these people and and then all of a sudden find out that you hate being a business owner because you hate dealing with other people's <laughs> stresses and hearing about them having marital issues or their kids or whatever it is. Like, like that's part, I mean, you're, you're kind of a dad in a lot of ways. Like you're, I, you're coach. I feel like a coach or a dad or, a, you know, whatever, Ted Lasso out here a lot of times. So um, for, it's great. So I, I I didn't, again, this wasn't original. I read this, but it, it, the Circle Square, I've talked talk about this on one of the podcasts with you in the past. Mm-hmm. I would encourage this before you start. And then as you're going through it, I would literally go through and document what you do with your day every day. Write down everything you do. And if you can do it for a whole week, write down everything you did in a notebook. And then take that pencil and take a circle and circle all the things you absolutely loved about that day. What the things you would do for free, Right. Uh, and then take that same pencil and put a square around all the things you freaking hated that you you're miserable. You just have to do it to keep the wheels moving, whatever it is. Um, and if you are going to start scaling, the, the ones I'd start hiring first would be hiring for those squares, hiring people to do the things you hate doing if you can. Uh, and then do it so that you can do more circles because you're going to be happier. And you never know that person you hire may think the things you hate are the things they love. There's people that love accounting. There's people that love marketing. There's people that love, there's freaking people that love taxes because that's what they do for a living. You know what I mean? Like that's like the thing. Um, There's people that love interacting with customers. There's people that love just putting headphones in and doing dents or doing tent and not ever talking to customers. So finding the people, and again, that's what I went back to trying to figure out what you can offer to the person you're hiring, to the technician. That's what you can offer is bring your circles and we're going to make you do the things that I hate and you're going to do these because that's the thing you already love. Um, and then constantly evaluating yourself because those are going to evolve too. the thing that you you love today. You may get burned out of and in two years. You may find that there's other things you really are passionate about and love. Um, so constantly trying to hire people that do things better than you, that are more passionate about it than you. Um, and and when you are going through that, if you if you aren't circling, I want to grow a business. I want to scale. I like marketing a little bit. I like hiring people Then you probably don't need to be scaling. Like that's if you don't like the idea or you don't like your inter- interacting with other people, you probably don't need to be bringing people into your day to day, right? Yeah, um, but if you like the idea of being part of something bigger too, find find yourself a mat. That's exactly area. exactly it's, yeah. It's the uh, what am I reading right now? Also, rocket fuel. Yeah. That, yes. You know, yeah. The idea, person, and the implementer, whatever, whatever yeah. they say it. So if you like the idea of doing it, but you're like, God, I don't want to do all that stuff. Like, like every 
person every mat wants that person that's like here i want to put my head down i want to do the work but i want to be a part of something bigger i don't just want to be a solo guy there's there for that idea that thought is there for a reason and so find that that other person to help you guys and maybe partnership opportunity or whatever there is in that so i would i would encourage if you're like on borderline like i hate doing all that stuff but i want to be a part of, of something bigger i think these marriages are going to happen more and more in this reconditioning space um yeah i agree then they, 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 they they're not now pretty much it's just a bunch of solo dudes doing their thing but yeah um so I'd, I'd, I'd say, you know, reach out to those people, talk to those people. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think we, we talked about it and I know this isn't like a branding thing, um, yeah. but just, you know, when, when we did go through and went through our uh, ceramic coating, we felt like not settling. We felt like it was uh, the best partnership we could make. Yeah. And we, our, even our relationships with some of the other services we offer, those doors were open because of that relationship. So when you mm -hmm. are starting to talk about branding, you guys have clearly done this with RestoreFX. Find mm -hmm. brands that believe in you as yeah. a as a business and want to partner with you. I want to see you succeed, but then they also want to open doors to see you succeed in other ways as much as yes. possible. That, that it's it's like finding a good accountant or finding a good banker or something like that. Like get they need to understand who you are and what motivates you. Um, and we found that again with with some of our um, our products that we work with and our and yeah. our products Killer. that we offer. So, so we've, we've, we've really loved that partnership. Uh, thank you, Matt. Thank you very much. Spend the time a little over an hour. Um, tons of knowledge. Uh, I appreciate it as always. Yeah. Ryan, you, Ryan, you got anything on the way out? Right. Yeah. So if you guys aren't changing anything about your business or lifestyle, um, after this podcast, we're doing something wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. Because I'm I'm definitely in it. I know Corey is changing every day, and mm. and Matt, we all look up to him on that. So uh, we appreciate Matt coming in. I love coming in because you you guys ask me questions, and I better have some answers because yeah, right. <laughs> it makes me vet my own processes constantly. Exactly, hundred so. <laughs> percent. All right, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Thank you guys for having me on. All right. Later. Thank you for listening to the Masters of Recon podcast. If you got any value from the show, then please subscribe and share the show to your favorite social media platforms.